big time, right, has, has come out. And you know, last month, a guy made 600K. The guy that was at the top of the leaderboard, he made 600K in big time tokens. And I mean, think about the implications for that, like for the regular gamer is like you can play this game and potentially win 600K. Like what are those assets that get you the win worth in that case? Like what? there's there's a huge implications there. I never heard about that. So some guy... So I've been watching Big Time for forever. Since last cycle, I've been waiting for it to release. And I kind of, I bought one of their, like, land, their space or whatever last cycle. And I've just kept, been kind of waiting, but I haven't really kept up with them. But you're saying, like, the game's out and somebody made, <laughs> made 600K playing it? Yeah, the guy who, um, who was on top of the leaderboard for that month made 600K in, in Big Time. And I think they put up some ridiculous prize for next season, like, like millions of tokens. I, I need to check on the actual figure, but it's like... You kind of think about that as an as an incentive mechanism, right? Like that token that they've created, it's obviously at an incredibly high valuation, like multiple billions. And so it doesn't really cost the game much to to actually incentivize the player base with the token. I mean, you could you could do like a basis point of supply a month and, and still not really affect the game's pipeline and still reward your players with like huge values in, in tokens for, for playing your game and, and buying the assets and kind of you can kind of incentivize that marketplace that with where the game makes money. Can you start by introducing yourself and just explaining what is, per is it pronounced Perion? Perion, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I'm one of the founders um, of, of Perion, Mitch. Um, Perion's essentially a DAO that um, builds products in the, in the gaming sector. Uh, so right now we have uh, two flagship products. One of them is uh, Fanplay. Fanplay is a, a Web3 wagering game, so it essentially integrates with... Um, any game that sort of uh, lends itself to sports betting. So right now, the GambleFi sector is really hot, um, and FanPlay is one of the first platforms that actually integrates with Web3 games and allows people to um, like bet on or wager on the races. Um, it's an interesting product. All of the uh, all of the bets are on chain, so it's all provably fair. Um, getting a ton of really good feedback in closed testing. So I'm super excited to take that to take that to market. Ideally, it's going to be out late December, um, if not early Jan. So, um, yeah, super exciting times on that side. And then our other flagship product, um, XP.GG, um, we're currently currently build. So the, the, the closed alpha has been released, so people can jump on our Discord and join it. But essentially, XP.GG is shaping out to be a rewards program for gamers. So gamers can play their favorite games, earn XP, get good, and get rewarded, essentially. Um, it's an exciting platform, super, super cool as we're sort of crossing the, the Web 2 to Web 3 barrier there. So we're allowing people to play games like Valorant, Fortnite, CSGO, and um, earn, earn crypto rewards on the back end, things like NFTs, access to discounts, um, all tiered across an XP system where users can level up and increase their rank and increase their access, essentially. So so how does that work? Uh, you're saying like with Web2 games, uh, they can rank up and earn XP. How does that look in like, like practically? Practically, um, the whole platform is like kind of based around getting good. So it's essentially a platform where if you improve, if you improve your skills, if you kind of increase your rank in game, you can actually increase your XP um, and, and sort of gain higher access tiers within the platform. So essentially, it's like taking your gamer DNA, and if you improve your gamer DNA, you can level up, and like your entire gaming stat history across all the games you play is like your DNA and, and who you are as a gamer. Um, on the back end, as a as a B two B value prop, it's really exciting, right? Like you get to see who are dedicated gamers, how much they play, what their affinity for games are, can all be wrapped up in like a zero knowledge proof bundle. And you can kind of provide some really good channels for B2B to start engaging with like high value customer segments on the in the gaming sector. So what would be like the argument for like, uh, 
a player to to get going on this just like hey you want to get better at playing this game sign up for this and you earn rewards or what would be the how are you going to convince somebody who's a gamer to plug into this platform yeah absolutely um by offering real value uh, that's that's kind of critical to like what we're building here so I mean, if you're a gamer, you're dedicated, you want to like learn more about how you can improve, XP is the platform to do that. So XP offers tailored insights to your gaming your gaming needs, takes all of your statistics, looks at where your weak, po- weak points are, looks at where you can get better. Um, it allows you to compare yourself to other players who might be like your favorite content creator or a gamer you really aspire to be like and compare yourself side by side, see where your weak points are, see where your gaps and start improving on the back end. Um, another great feature we're, we're sort of planning to roll out pretty um, pretty soon is a Teams feature. So allowing you to get like four of your or three of your friends, build out a team and like look at how you're all, uh, how you're all performing in-game compared to one another. So you can see like who on the team is lagging, who on the team needs to, um, who on the team is leading and um, what skill skill gaps you guys have as a, as a core group. So you can all kind of get better together. So the, the whole platform is really designed at its first premise is like getting good. And on the back end, if you get good, you can get rewarded. So that's the whole whole thing bundled up into one, I guess. Got it. Okay. How would, how does the platform make money? Yeah. So variety of ways. Um, you know, you can access premium subscription to boost the amount of XP you can earn. Um, burning burning perk, our native um, native ERC twenty token, um, is another great mechanism for the for the DAO token holders to um, see some benefit from this. So accessing things like you know wager your XP against another player, you might have to burn a perk. To enter a daily raffle for some some prizes, you might have to burn some perk and and sacrifice some of your XP. So there's a ton of features around that, um, that around the mechanics of the platform that we can bake in traditional revenue streams, and then also like interesting token um, token benefits to, to the perk, our native um, ERC twenty. Got it. Okay, and so going back to I guess the the full platform. So you have that. You have um, fan play, which is like instead of sports betting, it's like video game betting. Like you're betting on a certain play, like uh, professional gaming, like a certain team or player winning, basically. So we have started out with fan play on actual games that um, are lending themselves to sports betting. So our initial rollout was on Zed Zed Run. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's it's essentially like an NFT horse racing game. So you can buy horses, you can breed them. Um, they all have genetics. You can essentially breed like good or bad horses based on their genetic lines and then race them in game. So we're really just like elevating the um, the experience of that game by allowing users to, to bet or wager on the, the outcomes of the races. And then, so, so there's that, there's XP, but then there's like the Perion DAO, which basically invests into, can, can you explain like basically outside of those two like specialized product offerings, what does the like DAO itself do? Of course. So the DAO um, has its native token, um, Perion Credits. The DAO funds these 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 products, right? And so the DAO is like the, the major stakeholder in, in both the product streams. Um, the DAO also has early on invested in a lot of Web3 games. So that's that's kind of the business segment I head up um, is is the treasury side of the DAO. So the DAO raised a, um, a series of fundraising rounds, got some amazing investors on board, uh, Pantera Capital, Framework Ventures. And so I head up the kind of investment arm of the DAO. Um, as of right now, we've invested in about 15 Web3 games um, for everything from like pre-seed to Series A rounds, NFT rounds. Um, kind of a whole mix across like tokens and, and equity, um, tokens of like various forms. Um, and yeah, so that, so we're really like 
we had a uh, we have a like a great level of access to, to Web3 gaming being that we've been involved pretty early. And so we do get a kind of a look at um, all the promising games coming out. Um, I can tell you I took over like between 2021 to 2022, I took over 200 calls and and we only sort of backed uh, about 15, 15 of the products. So, you know, being gamers, we we really saw like a few key teams that we thought could execute in the, in this space and, and got the opportunity to back them. So um, it's super exciting from from the DAO standpoint to, to be involved with some of these um, amazing products. And as well, building out our own products, there's a great crossover. There's many like great synergies, you know, where we can talk deals with some of the biggest games in this space, see what we can explore as partnerships. So there's a, a ton of exciting opportunities on the back end of um, some of those investments we made. Okay. So I guess just to, to make sure that I'm understanding it right, kind of the, the what excited me about it. And like when I first saw it, well, I was like, oh, this is awesome, was I was looking at it almost as like, there's all these great games coming out. Uh, and then, you know, most people don't have access to get like these seed allocations in these games. And you're almost like a DAO that like, hey, by being a part of this DAO, you're, you, you get to be a part of those things. And so like, if these games are super successful um, in, in the token allocations that Perion's getting are, you know, climb you know heavily in value then that should in some way kind of reflect into in the value of the perk token it, would that be correct yeah absolutely um so this is a, a big push for me coming in the next um in the next month is sort of establishing those functions of like what happens when the DAO makes money and, and how does that reflect in the token um so this will be some governance proposals or there'll be some governance proposals um around how funds and, and revenue are treated coming up pretty soon and we can kind of look at like what the value per value prop is to perk holders um and i think like there's two there's a few parts there right you, you kind of touched on the access point and that's um it's really important right like uh, most people coming into the web3 space they just don't get access to these kind of deals um and so it's, it's really challenging for them to to get involved when you have tokens launching at incredibly high fdvs there's there's no way you can get um involved in like a pre-seed or, or an equity round um, so that level of access is really valuable. And then now we need to look at like how the DAO captures that upside and how that reflects um, to the token holder in the back end. Yeah, that's cool. Because it's not it's not like quite an index fund. I don't know what the word would be, but like basically it is. It's like you get the perk token and now you got access to all like all these seed deals and all these great games, um, you know, and it's about basically trusting the DAO to be um, good at their jobs when it comes to allocating into games and different things like that, which I saw that you guys have um, a position in Shrapnel, which everyone's, you guys got to be pretty stoked about that because that's just been skyrocketing lately. <laughs> yeah, no, super, super excited about, about Shrapnel. I mean, that was one of the first teams we saw and we're like, yes, we want to get involved with this product, um, this, this platform. Um, you know, we, our thesis kind of centered around, there was two channels, right? We saw when we, when we started to, to take some investments in games and one of them was like crypto guys, like, hey, we're going to build a game. And when you kind of think about that logically, um, there's a whole lot that goes into making a game that's actually engaging long term. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to start start a product team around around game development and actually execute and build a game people want to play long term, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's it's probably easier to do the financial engineering parts, which we saw a lot in crypto early on in, in like Web three gaming. Um, but when it comes to actually building a good game, we kind of looked at the Web two guys, right? We looked at guys that had been in the industry for twenty years. And like Web3 was just going to become another part of their tech stack. Um, that was kind of what we saw as the, the key opportunity. And when we when we met the Shrapnel guys, I mean, they're all spun out of Microsoft, HBO. Um, they had a huge background in like game development. And like some of the guys, um, I think Mark Long, the CEO, has been working since like the days of Atari all the way through to <laughs> VR. 
like <laughs> their ability to adjust the tech stack, I think is like critical in, in why they got a critical factor in why that I think will, I think they'll be successful long term. Dude, I think, <laughs> I, I really think crypto gaming is going to skyrocket. I, I think about Axie Infinity a lot and just how at their height they hit, it was like 2.7 million active players a month. And just looking at like some of the most popular PC games, like th that's in line with like, uh, uh, you know, man, what am I thinking of? Um, I'm blanking hard, but it, that's in line <laughs> with, you know, a lot of the popular PC games, um, Overwatch that I was trying to think of. Overwatch that's in line with GTA, um, on, yeah. uh, five that's in line with like a, a lot of other games out there. And it, yeah. and you know, actually wasn't like an incredibly fun game. You had to get a yeah. crypto wallet. You had to buy crypto. You had to know how to set that up. You had to bridge funds over. Like it was really complicated to get started. And yeah. yet at its height, it ha it was like, like on par with some of the biggest games out there on PC. And so yeah. for me, I was like, wow, that's incredible. Like there, obviously there's something here because there's no way somebody would do that for, for Axie normally. And there's no way Axie would reach those heights normally. And it has to do with the fact that, you know, a, a lot of people were speculating. They're saying, Hey, I want these assets that you can own that maybe, you know, later down the line, I could flip for maybe a little bit more money, which is really similar to like trading cards or, you know, in any sort of collectibles, the, the concept of like digital player owned items. I think really clicked with people and um, it, it's a cool concept and it gets me really excited for things like shrapnel and, and other good games. They're actually really fun to play. And I don't even know how explosive they're going to be. Like, I think we're going to see some just skyrocket to like be, you know, the top game in the world uh, for a yeah. period of time, just because, you know, I, it's going to be a mania around it. I think so too. And I mean, something on this, like, um, you know, they're building like fun and engaging games, right? Like the games look good. They look the, the same quality of like a, as like some of the biggest titles out right now. Um, and I mean, you look at like your know, Fortnite's player base. I think last I checked, you know, 250 million DAUs. Um, I mean, that's a, that's an insane implication when you think like Peak <laughs> probably had five five million DAUs, maybe. Um, and you've know, reached a 40 billion dollar valuation. So I think there's like a ton of opportunity on that side. And I think one thing to kind of add to that is big time, right? Has come out and. You know, last month, a guy made 600K. The guy that was at the top of the leaderboard, he made 600K in big time tokens. And I mean, think about the implications for that, like for the regular gamer is like you can play this game and potentially win 600K. Like what are those assets that get you the win worth in that case? Like what? there's there's a huge implication to that. I never heard about that. So some guy, so I've been watching big time for forever. Since last cycle, I've been waiting for it to release. And I kind of, I bought one of their like, land their space or whatever last cycle and i've just kept, been kind of waiting but i haven't really kept up with them but you're saying like the game's out and somebody made <laughs> made 600k playing it yeah the guy who um who was on top of the leaderboard for that month made 600k in, in big time and i think they put up some ridiculous prize for next season like like millions of tokens i, I need to check on the actual figure but it's like you kind of think about that as an as an incentive mechanism, right? Like that token that they've created, it's obviously at an incredibly high valuation, like multiple billions. And so it doesn't really cost the game much to to actually incentivize the player base with the token. I mean, you could you could do like a basis point of supply a month and, and still not really affect the game's pipeline and still reward your players with like huge values in, in tokens for, for playing your game and, and buying the assets and kind of you can kind of incentivize that marketplace that, with, where the game makes money just through offering these huge prizes um, in the token. That's insane. That, that is actually insane. 600K, man, that's like that's like a normal person's full-time job for like a decade or more. That's, that's wild. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest prize pool in gaming ever is was the Dota 2, um, the TI. I think it was 40, 41 million, if I'm not mistaken. And so, like, Web3 gaming is already creeping up there. And, it, and and the thing with Dota 2, like, that the TI, it's, it's literally called the Invitational. So, like, a regular player can't just jump in and start playing. Um, whereas, like, Web3 games, anyone can start playing. And so those prizes suddenly become accessible to this this huge audience of people. Um, and I think it's just a massive incentive. I think we're going to see some some crazy stuff happening around, like, leaderboard prizes. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking was that, like, you know, obviously there's professional, there's like, I've seen the Fortnite World Cup and things like that. But like you said, not ever, like most people can't get into those things. You have to be a professional player. You're talking about, you know, a game that just came out, hasn't been out that long. That's kind of, you know, pretty niche. And, you know, anyone could jump in and have been, you know, potentially that 600K player. Like, that's crazy. And <laughs> that's crazy, man. <laughs> uh, like, think about that as like just your go-to-market strategy. Like, think about all the... Um, all of this, like the shares you'll get on socials, how excited people will be, like on the on the on the tail end of like seeing that. Um, yeah, it's it's there's huge implications, and it and it really doesn't cost the game that much. You know, it's a it's a token they've created. The market has decided its value, and they have a huge pool of it to to kind of call on if they need to. Yeah, man, that <laughs> that is pretty cool. And I bet, yeah, I mean, like I've never, I'm in crypto, and I haven't heard of that. But when that gets out, when that's like mainstream, when retail realizes they could go play a game and maybe maybe have a chance to make 600k and it's actually like big time looks like a really fun game like it doesn't look boring at all it's not like um you know axie or something like that like it's like a shooter uh and i don't know it's like sort of like destiny and borderlands and some other game had a baby and you know it's it looks pretty fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean like once those games look good and then like imagine you're a regular guy you're like this game looks pretty good oh there's like a 10 million dollar like prize pool on offer I'm going to get involved. Like uh, that, that, it's like a really easy logical leap to like for people to start wanting to get involved in, in Web3 gaming once they kind of see the quality and they see what's on offer if they if they participate. I was thinking about that with Shrapnel. Like I was thinking specifically Shrapnel, it's going to attract a lot of streamers because think about like the high end streamers. They got a lot of money and they're looking for stunts. They're looking like Mr. Beast level stunts. And when you have a game where it's like oh, you know. I spent $10,000 on these NFT weapons <laughs> and I'm dropping into the yeah. zone. Let's see if I survive or like <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Dude, somebody can do that. It's going to be huge. And um, yeah, that, that, w- that was one of the reasons like, we got most excited because I used to play a game called um, Escape from Tarkov. And like, I think Shrapnel was really just the next evolution of Escape from Tarkov. And you might be familiar with it. But Escape from Tarkov is, is just that. Like you, you have your guns and like you, you slowly earn them and you have to go and risk them. They don't cost anything. There's, there's no real value to them. But even that, like you're sweating. You're like, oh man, I just got this great gun. Like what happens if I lose it? Um, and so like everything's a really calculated risk. And like when you start actually throwing real like money into that, it's, it's kind of insane. Like I think the implications there for like content are, as you said, like just massive. Yeah. And I think I, and I am familiar with like extraction shooters and I know it is a thing, but I think the really big difference here is like, as I think I like video titles and like creating video content all the time. And I'm just saying like, as a streamer saying like, oh, I have this really rare weapon from a game. I'm going to drop in and maybe I lose it. Isn't like very enticing. And like, it's gotta be really simple to understand. So when they can assign a really simple value, like I spent $30,000 on this loadout. I'm dropping in. Let's see what happens. That is like an entirely different form of content. And I'm telling you, it's going to become a meta for a season because it's just, it's too addicting. It's it's like Mr. Beastified, you know? A hundred percent. And like even the flow on content for that, it's like this guy risked $30,000. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My breakdown of what went wrong. Like, yeah. (laughs) 
And then yeah, on the it, other I, side, the you know the low to mid streamers, they're going to be playing that, and they're going to be like, I made you know five grand one night, and you know pe- people are going to watch them, and they're going to kill, get a kill, and then like, oh my gosh, it's a five thousand dollar gun, and they're like running to extract it as quick as they can because you know that's life changing. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's um it's really exciting, right? Like it's it's super exciting to kind of see see all of this starting to like play out. Um, you know, it's, it, I think. The, the thing about the Web3 gaming is like we went through that 2021 cycle. Everyone was hot. Everything died. I was like, this is over. And it's really exciting to kind of see things pick up again. And like some of these games like come come with like a solid package and, and, and be ready to kind of take over in my mind. <laughs> so speaking of like different games, like I mean, you're in the space. What are the games you're most excited about right now? Shrapnel, like for a start. Um, really excited about the, the Godzilla team. Um, I think... They've got some. They've got some. They've got a heavily stacked, um, heavily stacked team. I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with them. Um, no. What is Gunzilla? So Gunzilla is a studio, and they're they're building off the grid. Um, it's a like a battle royale 2.0. They call it. So it's a, a battle royale, but with like some PVE um, um, pieces and like a lot of um, storyline heavy content. So what they've done is they've they've got some like. Did you know Neil Blomkamp? He's a pretty famous director. Um, he directed Elysium and a few other like pretty big sci-fi movies, District Nine, um, Chappie. I- I've seen Elysium. Yeah, okay. So he's the director of that. So he's there. Um, uh, they have a cool name for him. It's like he's like the head of head of something. Have something sounding cool, but like basically head of like design and aesthetics for the whole platform. Um, they brought in one of the writers from from Altered Carbon to actually write. I think it's, he's actually the writer of the book. Um, Altered Carbon. Yeah. So he's doing all of the um, the storyline writing. So. The team is just absolutely stacked um, on that side. So, and what's it called again? Uh, it's called Off the Grid. That's the name of the game. But the, the studio is called Cantilla, um as well. Okay. Do they have like footage out and stuff yeah, ready? They do. Or? They do. Um, they've got some really high quality, um, some high quality videos out at the moment. Dang. Okay. Well, I'll check that out. I. Oh. Okay. I think I've seen. It. Is it like a red logo? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. And this is a. So how does it? As far as like crypto and like crypto gaming or Web three gaming, how does it tie into that? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a it's a it's a, the the model's pretty early, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's a um um the cosmetics to start, and then it will like expand into to other pieces. But um yeah, again like pretty early, and and the team's just been like kind of quietly building and putting out a few like exciting bits here and there, but they haven't had like a really big marketing push yet. So I think like a lot a lot will come to light on like the actual value prop in in that game. But um again, just like when it comes to the team, like pretty trusting in that team to execute just based on like their their previous um experience. Yeah, do you know if they're gonna have like a token or anything? <laughs> I mean, just from the investing side, I'm curious. They will. They will have a token. Yeah, it'll be called Guns. Guns. I'm Dang, dude. Yeah, so, uh, that, <laughs> with his head. so that'll be like usable across um, like future IP as well. If they if they develop future IP, if the game's successful, I'm assuming that's a that's a big yes. But yeah, is that one that you guys are hoping to get in? Get in for uh, Perion? Yeah. So we've actually um, we, we actually are involved. So we, we um, participated in an NFT round. Um, so Perion's locked in there as well. Dang, dude, you guys are crushing it. I mean, I'm I'm already getting pumped right now. Well, what- <laughs> What other what other games are, are you excited about? Um, another another team we backed um, quite a while ago. Um, they're called Lunchbox Entertainment. They're building um, 
are really easy to access MOBA. Um, so they're, they're quietly building a game called Sirocco. They're like a total sleeper. They've got nothing on socials. Um, they don't really, like, they're like, no, we're just going to like stealth launch and, and, and kind of roll out when we're ready. But um, they're in closed testing right now, and the game's super exciting. It's, um, it's essentially a MOBA, but um, with ships. So it's all like sea-based. It's got some really, um, really good like kind of Pirates of the Caribbean feel to it almost. Um, and like, yeah, the, we, we've been playing the game, and it's like it's really good. And um, I'm like, I'm not a MOBA player, but I could pick it up easily. Um, it's like easy to start, like hard to master kind of kind of um, thesis there. But the team on that side, again, like really stacked. Um, one of the one of the founders used to be pretty um, pretty high up in Loaded.gg. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but essentially they're like one of the bigger biggest um, streamer management um, services in the US. So they manage. Um, Guys like Summit One G and uh, I think some of the other like the, some of the big names I can't I can't recall off the top of my head. So I think that go to market is going to be really really strong. I think they'll get some really big streamers on board and like once they do their stealth launch, it'll be it'll be massive. I've been hearing a lot about like crypto gaming and like the focus primarily for a lot of these companies is like not the U.S. but actually like Asia and there is a big focus on on mobile games because they just absolutely dominate. Is that kind of what you're seeing too or? Yeah, so so yeah, we we have backed a um a small small mobile studio that's aimed at the Asian market, but I think like in terms of adoption, um, you know, like I think about Asian markets, they're like they they've kind of embraced capitalism, right? Like we were at Token Twenty Forty Nine in Singapore, and like one of the big themes there was like you know, like Singaporeans are just ready to adopt, like they're they're ready to have like um like like financial elements in games they don't mind it like they're they're happy to participate and so i think like the us you've kind of seen the market go like we've seen axie we've seen like super expensive nfts and like we don't really want to borrow it and i think like with the us it's really hard to like overcome some of those barriers whereas i think the asian markets are like yep cool we want this innovative new stuff and we're like ready to dive in um so it is i think it is going to be like a, a key segment in adoption and i think um we might even see it just be be the leader. It might be where most of the games roll out. Most of the games get traction, and then maybe they cross over into Western markets, but maybe they don't. Maybe it takes a lot more time. <laughs> I was hearing the same thing about like the the play to earn, or not not play to earn, but like the financialization. Where like in the U.S., we're like super sensitive to it, but like in Asia, you can just straight up like they have play to win games. Like you straight up just like pay to win the game, and that's what they. Yeah. That's what they yeah, like, I, think, I guess. I, th- I think like in, in it, I read in China, you know, that was like what games were when they first started playing mobile games. It was like, you know, you had to, it was like all the freemium stuff, all the stuff that made Tencent, like the, you know, one of the biggest gaming platforms in the world. Um, because that that's just what was rolled out. Like when people started getting access to to devices to, to that could play games. Um, so it's kind of just been baked into like the, 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 the feeling on the ground there. Um, but like, I think on the on the western side is like you know as as gamers like there's been this kind of constant evolution in like monetization of games where I remember you know back in the day you just you just buy a game right <laughs> it was like 50 bucks or however much you paid and that was your game and you got to play it and there was kind of no downside and then kind of we rolled into like subscription models and then it started being like okay this is this kind of stacks up this gets pretty expensive um then rolling into like all the freemium games on mobile where it's like $110 to buy a packet of gems that like fast forward your time, like a few hours or, or a few days or something like this. And I think like gamers in the West are just really like wary of like predatory mon- uh, monetization tactics. And I think this is what they saw, right? Like, they were like, okay, this just looks like another like evolution of, of us having to pay way too much to play games because yeah. 
to play X Infinity, I had to buy like hundreds of dollars of NFTs and the game doesn't necessarily look that good to a, to a traditional gamer. So I think in the West, people are just pretty wary of like new monetization um, models. Yeah, I can see that. But the reality is that like, like you mentioned, some of these people on these mobile games even, are, they're spending thousands of dollars and they literally get nothing in return <laughs> except for to win that game. Where like, or even like think Fortnite people spend, I know, I have friends that have spent over a thousand dollars on Fortnite skins and they cannot sell those. They can't flip those. They can't do anything with them. And um, the reality of like crypto gaming is essentially all it changes um, is it allows people to take those items and for them to accrue value for one, because they can put them on. A, uh, but the reason is because they can put them on a marketplace and, and sell them. And so um, that's inherently way better for the player instead of, you know, like instead of just you giving money to Fortnite or, you know, Epic Games or you giving money to this mobile game, you can also get something in return. You could be that player that wins 600K. You could, you know, get an item that's worth $1,000 or $100 or, you know, whatever. So, I don't know. I, I'm pretty pumped. I think people once, once people figure it out, they're going to be like, actually, this is amazing. And we love this. <laughs> I think so, too. And I think it, it really kind of flips the model on its head for the for the game studio. So, I've kind of had, to, had this model now, like thinking about Fortnite, you know, where it's like they just pump out skins and like League of Legends is similar and stuff. Like that's the that's the core business model is like they they create skins, they sell them for like five to twenty bucks, and that's the whole business model. And they're kind of having to go like you kind of have to reevaluate how the how the studio makes money moving forward. Like this the studio now has to basically create a peer-to-peer marketplace, allow like actual financial transactions to happen in that marketplace, and then just take a cut of like whatever the whatever that economy within the platform um, it pans out to be and just, just take their share. And so I think for, for a lot of like big studios, that's a, that's a huge pivot to the business model. And I think like they're not going to adapt that early. They, they're going to have to see that um, play out and be effective mm-hmm. in market at scale before they're ready to say, okay, like we can, we can do this now. Because I think if you're Epic Games, like you don't really need to risk your, your business model right now. Yeah. Um, you, you've like got these great products. They generate huge amounts of revenue. The market's incredibly hot. I mean, the, the Activision Blizzard buyout is the biggest ever. Um, so I think like for them, like why would they pivot their model so early? And I think once they actually see this play out and, and be like an effective revenue stream for studios, then they'll say, oh, okay, now, now we can do this. Okay, so just like as like a thought experiment, imagine yeah. like put, put on like your investor cap and think about <laughs> sure. like if you had ten thousand dollars right now, and you're not looking at just a game, but you're looking at like the entire crypto gaming sector, some of these infrastructure, um, everything. Like yeah. in your mind, where would you like? Obviously, not financial advice or anything, but like where would you be allocating that you're like? I think this is where I could get the most potential upside. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a good question, and I think like you have to take into account valuations right now. Like, you know, some of the gaming tokens have launched at like multi-billion dollar valuations. And like, um, so it's like, if you're just, if you've got your 10K and you want to invest, the upside there is probably limited. Um, so like, it, it's definitely looking at deals the way you can get like early access and get a good valuation if you if you wanted to kind of make that upside. Um, but I would say like, our, our kind of thesis centered around studios um, a lot, like studios being able to, to adapt to the new tech and kind of create an entire ecosystem around that new studio and become kind of the, the, big, the big players in the market. Um, there's obviously like infra plays. Um, infra plays are interesting. I mean, it's like at the blockchain level, um, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on, uh, but we're still kind of yet to see what the demands of a, of a really high quality game are. And like, for example, you know, Shrapnel, they had to, they're having to build their own um, app chain specifically for Shrapnel because they couldn't find 
a chain on market that could cater to their needs. And so like if we kind of see this play out, um, the, the, the best bet might be like a, a, a layer zero for gaming. So like the, 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 the bottom layer that can spin up app chains for each game um, individually and sort of capture value across all of those chains. That would be a, a, a great long-term play in my mind. Um, maybe Avalanche that plays out, but we're kind of yet to see. Um, they are kind of starting with the whole um, uh, subnet, subnet model. But I, I don't know if the actual chain chain itself is, 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 is right just because it might be like kind of relegated to more indie games that don't have like kind of high, high demands on, on like custom architecture and infra that they, they need to actually execute their game well. Um, I'm going off on a tangent here, but like DYDX is a, is a pretty interesting example on that front. Like DYDX is now building out their own app chain because what they realized is 99% of the transactions, if they were to have everything on chain, would just be orders that don't get filled. And so they don't actually need those orders on the blockchain. They only need them in the blockchain's mempool and they can cut down on like 99% of the transactions that they need to record. And so that's why they're kind of building out their own app chain. And so I think custom infra that's like designed to be baked into um, custom infra like rollout services that can like um, roll out like app chains to, to the game's needs. I think those are a really big play on the infra side. Um, the Shrapnel team's actually working on something quietly to to kind of um, to kind of fill the gaps that they had and then roll that out as a service. So that's a exciting product that I think will come to market. Um, but yeah, realistically, it's like back the best studios and back the best um, back the best uh, you know infra players at the blockchain level. I don't necessarily know if distribution, um, like you know, kind of the steams of Web three, are the model. Just because I think we're already seeing like Epic start adapting. To, to, to being a distributor for, for Web3 games. And so I, I don't know if, if you can compete at that level just because those guys have so much market share and so many eyeballs already. So that's kind of my, my take on that side. What, what do you think about Immutable? I, I mean, they're kind of seem to me to be the current sort of number one infrastructure for crypto games. I, I've heard stats like, you know, 70% of, of crypto games coming out are like between Polygon and Immutable, or, or, so, or somewhere between Polygon and Immutable, and they're they have their partnership on their zk EVM. Are you hearing good things about them? Or are you like, I'm curious why Shrapnel didn't choose them? Like, I know I I feel like I heard somewhere that they like looked at Immutable, but they didn't. It wasn't a good fit for them, and I'm just curious why. It goes back to what I was talking about, and I, I, I it it's it's that um, customization piece. It, it was that piece around them needing like a very specific um, specific kind of requirements at the at the blockchain level you know what what's recorded on chain what's not recorded on chain particularly around like the wagering piece they actually needed to look at like tax obligations as well so there were there are a bunch of technical implications to rolling out their game um, that weren't necessarily um, a good fit for like a one size fits all blockchain if, if that makes sense and so I think that was kind of the reason why we're seeing um, Quite a few of the games start rolling out their own avalanche subnets, um, just so just so they can get that customization. If they are looking to kind of scale to to massive amounts of users and um, fulfill all their kind of like blockchain requirements, um, custom build kind of seems like the the way moving forward. Um, on the immutable side, like I know they're building out their entire ecosystem, so I think it, it will be a good um, it will be a good platform. It who, who knows if maybe it's like relegated to smaller games. It, it sort of remains to be seen. Like I. 
it, it'll be good to see like once they actually get live um, on their blockchain, like what kind of throughput they're getting, if it's affecting the game experience, like the, the transactions and whatnot, like or if that's subsidized maybe for certain games. It'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. So yeah, I think just it is to the ground and, and sort of seeing like putting these blockchains to the test and then kind of making a decision from there is, is probably the best path forward. And when you say live on their blockchain, you mean their ZK EVM? Because they're because um, their mutable chain, their, their first chain's live, right? Yeah, so I think once that ZK ABM gets up, it'll be good to see like how 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 effective it is like for for most games to roll out there. Yeah, I you know I looked at Avalanche, I looked at their subnets. I'm really interested in actually Polygon. Have you heard anything about their like? This is kind of off on a tangent, but have you heard anything about their unified liquidity and like um, what they're building around that? Um, I, I had a chat to, to Polygon the other day. Um, oh, someone that was talking about Polygon the other day. Sorry. Yeah, some of the stuff they're doing is pretty interesting. I, I heard an <laughs> anecdotal story that the founder is like, he's he's fasting because he wants to stay hungry. <laughs> on the, on the I, I don't know how true this is, but a, a friend told me that's why he's bullish on Polygon because the guy's fasting. He wants to stay hungry. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, we'd love to hear how does the unified liquidity piece look? Have you have you kind of dove into it? Like, what are you? Saying? Yeah, I, I have, and it's. It, it kind of boggles my mind because more people don't talk about it because essentially what they claim that they've built or that they're building with unified liquidity is essentially like you could have a million, imagine a million different chains, okay? Built with the Polygon ZK tech, million separate chains, but they all share the same exact liquidity. So like bridging between chains is like essentially instant. You don't even notice it. It's like, there's essentially like clicking between websites. So if you had like, say you had a, you know, something on Polygon ZK EVM, and then you w- wanted to use like some other L2 built in the Polygon ecosystem that was like a privacy swap, um, you know, but it was a completely separate blockchain. Normally you have to bridge over. It's like 15 minutes or whatever. And you pay a fee with unified liquidity from what they claim. It would be literally you just go to you just go to the app and you click it. And it's just like as if your funds are already there um, because it's like literally instant and um from what they claim, it's like, you know, infinite scalability. Like they can just launch as many, you can launch literally 10 million chains and it literally wouldn't matter because you can just move between them as if they're just all the same chain. That's really cool. That's kind of going back to that layer zero piece I was talking about, right? Like having shootout chains that are customized for the game's needs, but like not um, having to have all this kind of bridge in for in between. That's really cool. That's um, that's probably a good play. Like I, 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 would be looking <laughs> I at think that. so, but nobody's talking about it. So I'm like, it, it, I like I've read through all the documents. I've read through everything, but I'm like, if this is true, then like, why isn't everyone freaking out? Because this is like the this is solves everything. I don't know. I think you're just early, man. <laughs> that's the play. Like, I, I, I'm excited by that. I'm, I'm definitely gonna um, follow up after this call and, and dive in and see what I can dig out. All right, cool. Um, well, uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna ask, um, kind of going back with yeah. your with the uh, Perion Dow, the, yeah. the Treasury. Um, is there like a place that can see currently how much it holds, or, or do you know those numbers off, off the top of the head, like how much the Treasury holds? Yeah, so it's just over ten million at the moment. Um, we actually do monthly Treasury snapshots. Um, we have all of our wallets listed there, so you can go and check them out. Um, we use a Gnosis MultiSeq. Um, for like asset storage. So yeah, everything's like really transparent on that side and like really easy to access. Got it. Okay, so so t- 10 million. Yeah, isn't your guys' market cap like 1 million? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and this is all, uh, this isn't, this is, sorry, this isn't 10 million in your own token though. This is like 10 million in other stuff, right? 
Yeah, so there's a, a fraction of the token in the, in the treasury. So the treasury um, has claim over like 16% of the token supply, but the vast majority of assets on that side are just like other other games tokens. Um, they're liquid in the liquid NFTs. There's some equity there as well, like held for the DAO, um, and a, a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, DeFi assets as well. So I actually do uh, run some market neutral strategies with the treasury. So like putting the treasury to work, um, just in like stablecoin um, yield farming essentially. Um, so that side's actually performing really as well, really well as well. So we're currently at about um, 25% annualized on, on the assets we've deployed there. So um, putting the treasury to work and, and um, gives gives us like the, the the gift of like very long runway, and it also just generates funds for the DAO to to keep funding products and, and keep building on the, on that side as well. Man, that's crazy. Okay, so I, I do feel I feel early on Perion right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Man. I feel like at the height <laughs> of the bull run, I would see like projects, and they were valued at like, uh, I mean, it was way more than one. <laughs> Less, it was, it was definitely more than their treasury, and it was usually like ten to fifty to hundred x their treasury. Like it was just nuts. And um, to be valued less than your treasury, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna. Um, th- there's a. There'll be some good governance votes on that side as well around like how tr- funds are treated when the treasury generates revenue. So that that'll start relating back to the token pretty soon as well. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense for you guys just to hold the tokens for a while because, like, especially things like shrapnel. You know, you don't want to. Uh, that that seems like that's going to be big in. I mean that that takes years, right? It takes a couple of years for that for something like that to take off, gain traction, and uh, well, sometimes sometimes games just they seem to like skyrocket overnight. Like I remember Pokemon Go, that was like came out and like boom, just the whole world was playing it. So you never know. Yeah, they had one of the best go to markets ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was just insane. Like the the amount of traction they got um, was was really cool. Uh, one of the, one of the games we're working with actually a, a plug. Um, Sort of sleep at the moment as well. They're called Mirror Planet. Um, they're actually working with Niantic. So Niantic is the studio behind Pokemon Go. Um, so they have a partnership with Niantic. Um, it's essentially an an AR game that's plugged into all of the maps features of Niantic, and so it allows users to essentially like walk around a mirrored planet Earth and like buy properties. Like you can go and buy your house there. You can um, you can do all kinds of interesting stuff. So pretty excited for those guys. They're pretty early, but um, I think that Niantic partnership is huge, and I think they'll do really well. Yeah, I, I mean. Niantic. See, I feel like that game concept, like Pokemon Go, I feel like they they tapped into something and everyone realized it, but then like nobody really did anything with I guess everyone is trying. There's all the AR stuff that's happening that people are trying to kind of push that. I still think that's super early though. There's a lot of potential with AR stuff like that. I think so too. And like with with Mirror Planet, I think there's a massive B2B option that like because it's an actual planet Earth and it has like your local McDonald's or like your local shop, there's a huge chance to just partnership and offer like in-person deals for people that, that use the app and, and offer incentives and tokens and things like this. And, and you know, if that game scales to have a lot of users, like it's a huge B2B stream for like businesses in, 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 in your area. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I, I can't wait for the day it's got like, um, you have like some sort of like functional yet cool and stylish glasses that you can wear around and we can play games like this, you know what I mean? Because like, instead of having to look through your phone, yeah. and I want like a game yeah. where like I can like conquer my local McDonald's and like like my face is on it or something, and it's like you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you remember, you remember the game Foursquare, the like Foursquare app, where you could like become the mayor of like certain locations? You ever play that? Oh, I didn't play that. No. <laughs> Sounds cool. It was cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, not a lot of people played it, but it's pretty fun. We used to play, I used to play with my friends. We'd like um, go to each other's houses and try to become like the mayor of it or like downtown. You you know, if you if you check in the most, you become the mayor of whatever place. It's a cool idea. I, actually, 
feel like it could have caught on more than it did. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty fun. I mean, yeah, I, I might have to get the Mirror Planet guys to have a look at that. <laughs> I was going to ask you for crypto gaming, like as a whole, like when do you see it taking off, right? Because like, I know it takes a couple of years for game development, and but we've had a couple of years since Axie. And so there's been some cool games being developed. When do you see like this whole thing really getting traction and like we, we, we get some hits? Yeah, look, I think... Um, this market cycle is, is going to be the one. And I think like looking at uh, sort of the state of some of the games, like Shrapnel in particular, that game's looking amazing. And so I think like once we start seeing some of these leaderboard elements coming out, some of these prize pools on offer, um, I think I think the games take off and I think they get massive amounts of onboarding. And particularly like there's been a lot of evolution on that kind of onboarding side that you, you were talking about. Um, you know, I know for sure, I know with Shrapnel, it's like you log in with an email address and like all of your wallets created, fiat on ramps will be really accessible. Like you won't need to pay, you won't need to go out and like buy ETH through an exchange and then transfer it into the game through a bridge and then like set up a wallet and transfer it across to that wallet. Like I think it'll all just start to come really, really seamless to onboard. Like we kind of picture a world where like your grandpa can go on and play a game and like not have to like it'd be able to essentially because he can actually log in, create an account and just start playing. Dude, we're going to have, <laughs> you just made me realize <laughs> we're going to have some epic, epic gaming hacks at some point. Like one of these teams is going <laughs> to think that they've created like, oh, it's easy. You just log in with an email. No big deal. Easy to report on chain. And they're going <laughs> to... They're going to get owned so hard. Uh, it's going to happen. This cycle, yeah. we're going to see some crazy gaming hack. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the big, it's the biggest like downside of, of blockchain, right? It's, it's immutability. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ronan was the, the big yeah. one of, of last cycle, and, and that was huge. Um, I remember I was at an Axie event, and, like, there, a reporter from the New, New York Times tried to, like, corner me and <laughs> be like, why are these guys having an event? Like, they just got hacked. And, um, yeah, it was, like, a big, um, a big like, uh, he really attacked them in that piece, and there was a lot of terrible quotes, and I'm, I'm glad, like, I did not get featured in that article. Dude, you mentioned token 2049. This is not even anything to do with talking about, but you mentioned token 49. I was thinking about going to that. Is that like worth it? Like, I mean, Singapore is not a cheap flight for me, but it did look really cool in the pictures. <laughs> yeah, luckily it's cheap for us, but um, it was awesome. Um, it's awesome to see the, the adoption there. And it's awesome to see like the, the level of professionalism in the space. I mean, there were just businesses there and they had awesome products and they were looking for partners. Like it, it's kind of... It kind of evolved beyond you know, some of the some of the con- consumer conferences. They're like pretty DJ-y, you know. There's, there's guys like shilling NFT projects and stuff. But this was like this was high level. There was just a lot of really good infra, a lot of people building, and um, a lot of like it just felt professional, right? Like, and, and sometimes our space doesn't necessarily feel professional. Um, so that was, that was really good to see, kind of like us maturing as an industry um, and seeing like all the, the like the businesses that are that's starting to come out. Um, and and where we're headed, I think it's it's just an exciting time. If you could, um, if you could just really quickly like explain what is the value prop of like a crypto game over just traditional gaming, like it, as simple and easy as you could explain it. For like, imagine you're like explaining it to your like your mom or something. <laughs> sure. So I think like the the biggest value prop is it's a game. You can own the assets. You can use them if you want. And if you don't want to use them, you can sell them. It's a game like where they're games where you can actually monetize your time and you can um, get real rewards for playing. Um, I think in its simplest form, it, it's really that. And I, 
going to another level, like it's transparency. You can see what's happening on the back end. You can like get a lot of visibility on what's happening. Um, th there's kind of a, a whole range of stuff, but I think it's in like really simplest form. It's a game where you can own stuff, you can get rewarded, and if you don't want the stuff, you can sell the stuff. Um, so it's like a, a game that offers you potential to monetize yourself and to like level up the game experience. I'm trying to think like, how I would actually explain to my mom. <laughs> like, no, no, that, that's a great answer. That, I mean, I've, that's how I explain it too. I always explain it like it's like a digital artifacts, like, you know, like Mona Lisa. You, uh, think, if you think about the Mona Lisa, it's just like paint and like canvas, right? It's like a, it, it shouldn't inherently be worth $500 million based off like the material it's made out of. And if you're like, say it's like the art that's worth the money, it really isn't the art because you can like print that off on Amazon and paint in your house too. And it looks exactly the same. And so it really comes to the fact that like that exact object has a history. And so there's like emotional sentiment tied to that exact object. Um, and so like you've never been able to have that before online. And like, and that is what digital ownership is. Absolutely. Uh, like sentiment and like scarcity, right? There's only one Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Mona yeah. Lisa and it's like propped up as this huge thing. And there's only one of her. Um, so I think that's like a, <laughs> another piece of that puzzle. And I like it. It's, you know, I think about often like the, the model for like Epic and Fortnite, you know, where kids are like paying five to 20 bucks for a skin. Um, you know, I remember you get a Balenciaga skin, I think it was 10 bucks. And like people are paying thousands of dollars for Balenciaga in the real world. So like, what's that skin really worth to someone? Like, why don't you let the market decide the price of that skin? Yeah, I know. Um, or, or like imagine, I know when Magic the Gathering, they did like their, their one ring card um, where they like released a one of one, one ring card. And it was... Um, What's his guy? What the, the rapper guy? What's his name? Um, man, I'm blanking on his name. But you know, he bought it for like two million dollars. This card like ended up selling for two. It's a piece of cardboard, but it sold for two million dollars <laughs> because there's only one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people yeah, but, laugh at like, oh, you're paying so much for a JPEG, but like people have been paying millions of dollars for pieces of cardboard for a long time, and you know, so that and really like let the market assign that value, like <laughs> yeah. Don't, like, knows of like i mean people might look at the mona lisa and like i'm not sure everyone will connect with the mona lisa but like there's people out there that are willing to pay a lot of money for for the mona lisa what do you think as far as like you know the market's been heating up a little this is i mean this is maybe a little bit i uh, know this isn't outside your wheelhouse because you do the treasury stuff so i was just what is your opinion on the market right now so it's kind of taken off we're getting a little bit of traction when do you think the next bull market is like gonna hit in full force. Yeah, look, I think the ETF has been um, pretty tantalizing for a lot of people. <laughs> I think a lot of people have like within crypto have been kind of like going from like USDT and stables back into like assets like Bitcoin and whatnot. Um, I don't know if we're seeing a lot of new money flow in. Um, you know, I, I actually used to run like a prop trading company. So like trading, trading futures in the crypto market and like other, other sort of derivative assets like options and stuff. And like one thing I'm noticing is usually if you see a lot of new money coming into crypto, like flowing in from fiat, um, you'll see a huge premium on assets like Tether, right? Because people are converting their, their, their dollars, their fiat dollars into Tether. And we're just not seeing that. So right now it looks like mostly money that's been in crypto for a while, getting exposure and kind of if you know anything about like market cycles, it's when that outside that fiat starts coming into crypto that we see like massive cycles. So I'm definitely hesitant to say this is the bull market and it's starting now. Um, it's definitely like promising signs with the ETF coming out. Um, fingers crossed it all gets secured, but like haven't seen that huge inflow and, and uh, there's potential there that, you know, the ETF comes out um, and all the inflow comes via the ETF. But 
until that happens, it, it's like hard to make their judgment call. Um, so yeah, I think I think this might be like a similar thing to like a DeFi summer where it's not the full cycle, but there's a lot of like there's there's a good cycle, and a lot of people can a lot of projects can take off, and it can can be really exciting on the ground. But I'm, I'm hesitant to call this the the bull market starting just yet. Yeah, I don't think it's a bull market starting either. But if you're saying so, if you're saying new money's not coming in, the market cap was below a trillion, and now we're at like I don't know. We're at 1.6 trillion. So where, where did the $600 million come from? Was that in like stables or? Yeah, it looks like stables. It looks like people that have been in stables um, just converting back over into into like Bitcoin and, and like assets with Bitcoin. Got it. Market. Man, I, I, but I'm, I'm with you 100% that like retail is not here. Like I talk to people about Bitcoin and they're like, you know, they, they still ask me like, oh, I'm sorry. Or, or they still look, look sad when I tell them I'm like doing crypto stuff still. They're like, oh, is that hard or, you know, whatever. They don't even know Bitcoin's gone up in price. Like they don't know Bitcoin's at $40,000. They thought like maybe it died when the, their, you know, the founder of Bitcoin, Sam Bankman Freed, <laughs> went to jail. Like that, 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 that's about as much as they understand about crypto. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I like we work in a startup hub, so we're seeing some people in the startup hub start like talking about it again, which is is good. But like, we're not seeing like the full retail. Like, your taxi driver is not necessarily talking about crypto yet. Um, I think like that, you know, that takes like a break of all time high, like essentially for for the for the people to start like catching on again. I mean, the good thing about being in crypto full time is like you can buy the bottom, <laughs> you can buy Bitcoin when it goes to three k or like whatever the bottom is, and and like see a great return. Whereas if you're kind of that retail on the outside in, you only really sort of get exposure once it's already kind of at highs, and and you can't really make the the returns that someone like dedicated to the space can actually make. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Hundred percent. But I'm thinking, man. Think this rally has been. Uh, this rally has caught a lot of people off guard. Like even me, I was I was expecting some pullbacks, but we've just kind of like skyrocketed up. And I gotta imagine there's so many people that are like we're waiting to get in that didn't. That literally anytime the market even slightly dips, they're like throwing cash in because like they're freaking out right now. When yeah. when, when when you think that. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and that, like, you can actually, if you go and look at, like, spot order books right now, you can actually see it happening in the order books. Like, there's all these bids, like, <laughs> for Bitcoin down, like, 5% and stuff. So, um, there's, there's definitely people, like, hungry for exposure. It's just, like, do we see that influx of, of retail coming yeah. um, to this up? That's going to be what kicks off the next cycle. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see any retail. And I, I think maybe when the ETF hits, maybe that'll be a big, um, we'll see, like, some of those companies drumming up. Dude, what do you think will happen if the ETF doesn't hit? <laughs> like, I feel like nobody's actually really thinking about that. <laughs> that that's a possibility. I think we'll go down pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I think how much? Like, how much do we actually go down? I think probably you could see 35K pretty quickly um, if, if we if we start going down. Um, where to from there? Like, hard to say. but Because we have the halving right after. And then, again, all these people on the sidelines were just dying. And I think at some point, they, they kind of softened that blow. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think, like, if you, with the halving coming up, um, and then, like, the ETF doesn't go through, so what? Like, if we start seeing some really good developments, say, particularly in the gaming sector, um, the consumer segment's picking, picking up like crazy. Like, have you looked into the Neo ecosystem? It's actually, like, Neo? insane. Did you say Neo? Nia, Nia, N-E-A-R. Oh, near. Um, okay. I was talking about Neo, like from like 2017. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I heard about Near. They're doing like some sort of DA sort of thing on Polygon is like a layer two. But I, I don't know. I haven't heard about them since last cycle, really. 
Yeah, so they're, they're, they're really picking up in the consumer segment. So Near at the moment has about 900,000 like, daily, active, daily active wallets, and most of them are concentrated in a couple of apps. So, so one of them that's really interesting is it's a shopping platform in Singapore. It's like a deals platform. Um, and they have like hundreds of thousands of people using this platform. Essentially, it's just like you get to connect with businesses in your local area and you get like cash back in crypto. So it's like this rewards program app huh. and it's just absolutely taken off. And so there's like a, there's a bunch of consumer apps on Near. Like if you have a chance, just like go and look at their, their data. It's really interesting. So I think like if the consumer segment starts to adapt, like we'll see a really, really big cycle next 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 time around. Yeah, no, man. I'm. I, I think there's a lot of things I'm excited about. There's, there's that. There's um the like deep end stuff. I'm really stoked on the the AI stuff. I a lot of it's super gimmicky. Like 99 of the AI stuff is just stupid. But there's like a couple AI things that are actually pretty cool, and I actually think provide some that. Have you heard of Akash before? I haven't. Oh, I think I have, but I haven't looked into it. It's like deep. It's like deep end for compute. So it's like Airbnb for compute. Like uh, everyone that's got extra compute can like throw it on this marketplace and then rent it out. And they're getting a they're getting a ton of traction on the consumer side too. Like from specifically like machine learning companies. Um, but they built this whole cool front end so they can just use a credit card. They don't have to use any crypto or anything, and it does all that stuff on the back end. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a product in Australia that's out now. It's just it's called Block Owner. Like they're hitting the market, and it's just like. You put your money into a bank account and like on the back end, it's using like DeFi to, to generate yield for you and like paying you out in cash and, and taking a clip. Like I think you'll see a lot of apps where the crypto is just abstracted away. Um, it all happens on the back end. Dude, I want that so bad. I want a crypto bank account where I can just like close my Chase account <laughs> and just have everything, you know, but like pay my bills and yeah, stuff. 100%. Um, 100%. I feel like we're close. We're just not yeah, quite there. It's, it's coming. Like it, it, as people in some of these countries start to adopt the tech, you'll see it become like not a huge leap to, to, to keep going and like to start putting more and more on chain. I feel like safe would be the one like they need to be the ones to be like, hey, here's your crypto bank account. Like because everyone would trust them. I would feel like totally that that's got to be a play for them. You know what I mean? Especially with their safe chain and everything. They could be like the Chase Bank of like the future where like that's where you actually do your banking is on safe. I think so as well. I think you'll see a lot around like NPC tech being adopted. Um, NPC is like pretty at the moment, like tailored to instos wanting to get exposure to crypto. But I think NPC, it's, it's like quite quite flexible as a tech in terms of like the signing capabilities and like roles and permissioning. I think that'll become another big part of like the crypto ecosystem as it relates to like consumers being able to onboard. Yeah, I mean, I agree, man. And to, but to be honest, I think the I think one of the biggest drivers next cycle, I'm with you, is going to be crypto gaming. I think crypto gaming just comparatively like the number of millions, hundreds of millions of gamers on the planet versus the like. I don't know. On chain, there's not really that many people, as I think most people understand, or most people think there is, um, actually doing things like DeFi. And so gamers are going to bring in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of momentum. So I'm really pumped. Yeah, crypto doesn't have that many DAUs, like compared to actual like video games. <laughs> you know, like Fortnite has more DAUs than crypto. Right? So like, yeah, no, by far. It's a huge potential unwrap, and like we're we're super excited, like to be to be like at the like the core of the space, and like super early. Well, I guess kind of to, to finish off, where can people go to either follow you or Perion, or kind of like to if they want to continue their Perion journey and like kind of keep keep up with what you guys are doing. 
Yeah, of course. So um, you can jump on perion.gg. Um, both the products, Fanplay is on fanplay.gg, XP is on xp.gg, a lot of .ggs. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Mitch double underscore Perion. Um, you can also follow, follow Perion on Twitter if you just type in P- at P-R-I-O-N. You'll, that'll come up with the, the link. And um, yeah, if, if, if you want to reach out, if you want to get connected on Twitter, anyone can drop me a line. Um, inbox is always open, happy to chat. All right. As always, none of this is investment advice. I do hold some Perion. Actually, <laughs> okay. So I, I, when you guys reached out to me, I was like, oh, okay. To be, to be fully transparent, I get probably, I don't know. I get at least one person a day for sure. So, you know, during the bull run, it's like 20 people a day, but like bear market, at least one person a day reaching out like, Hey, uh, check out our thing or like you should, you know, just accept sponsors or whatever. Um, and I always just like ignore them or just say no, but I, and I, this isn't sponsored. I they didn't pay me or anything. Um, but like I saw your guys' stuff and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is actually really cool. I've been looking for something like this. Um, um yeah. that's, uh, that's awesome to hear, man. Like, thanks so much. And like, yeah, welcome to the Dow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to wait till after this conversation to see if like you guys were like legit or not, but I, the more I looked into it, like I kind of got FOMO. I was like, I want to own this now. Cause <laughs> worried it'd go up. Um, <laughs> awesome to hear, man. Awesome to hear. Yeah. Anyway, so not investment advice. I do own some Perion. So I guess I'm, I'm biased at this point. And then, um, yeah, as always, stay steady, lads. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, you know, I've been trying to do my ending. I, is that a good ending? Or you have a bad? <laughs> I like that. No, I like that. Yeah. Okay, right, cool. I feel like I should do like a, a deep voice or something. I'll have to work on it.